So often people say that it feels like God is a million miles away. And for some people that is a cause of anger. Because it's like, well God, how dare you abandon us? I'm praying and there's just silence. You were crying out in our need and you're meant to be a loving God and you're not there. And yet there are other times when the knowledge that God is a million miles away is actually a real relief. Because the last thing you'd want is to have Jesus looking over your shoulder saying, really? (laughs) You're going to do that? (laughs) And that's kind of the, the place our hearts are in. We want God, but we don't want God. We want salvation, but not quite now. You know, I was actually on a youth camp the other week and this kid came up to me saying, can I go to confession before I commit a sin? (laughs) I quickly explained to him the logistics of how the sacrament works, but he was like, oh, that's a pity. So, because I really want to punch this guy, but I'm sorry that I I don't want to be right with God. This is the dilemma we find ourselves in. The readings today are really talking about the coming of Christ. You know, the first reading, we've got this great expectation that Christ is going to come. God is going to hear our prayers, well, he has heard our prayers, and he's going to respond and send a saviour. The gospel is where Jesus is now coming again. This day when Christ will once again come. Now, we find ourselves in the middle of these two, of the first coming and the second coming. And this is the point where our hearts are conflicted. You know, if you imagine yourself as a teenager, or if you've got teenage children, imagine them. Your parents say, look, we're going to go on holidays. Here's the keys to the Mercedes Benz. Here's the credit card. There's a fridge full of food. The house keys are yours. If anything goes wrong, just give us a call. We'll come back and we'll save you. Now, what's the average teenager going to do? Spend big, party, (laughs) drive the car as fast as possible. But gradually, as the debts rack up, as the food runs out, as more and more dents are in the nice Mercedes Benz, there's going to be this niggling voice inside of them like, I'm not coping. You know, this is a lot of fun, but I'm messing this up. And there's going to be this conflict of like, at what point do we call mum and dad? Because we know as soon as they come back, they're going to take away the credit card and take away the keys and take away the house and they'll never give it back again. And so you find yourself in this place of desperately wanting help because you're suddenly in in an adult world, but you don't know how to cope. And yet you don't want the freedom taken away from you. And that's us. God gave us the keys to the mansion called Earth and he gave us the credit card being free will and we're terrified of actually calling out for some help because we think that if he comes back we're going to lose it all. And I think as Christians we've got to be honest about this. Like We can sit here and sing all these nice songs about come Lord Jesus Lord, we love you. Lord, we surrender our life to you. No, we don't. We we pretend to, but deep down, 
we're kind of saying, okay, God, you stay away as long as possible, maybe when I'm 95, then we can negotiate. Because <laughs> at that point, I've lost the use of all my freedom, my body's fallen apart, then I'm happy to go. I think what, what the readings are trying to say to us here today is we need to actually really start to know our need. Like, really know our need. Now, when we talk about the gospel message, we, we talk about like the four-stage gospel message. I hope you're familiar with this. The world was created good. Something went bad. Okay? We were given free will, and we stuffed up. And then God sent a saviour to try and redeem this mess that we created. But then the fourth part of that is we actually choose to grab hold of that salvation and then God gives us new life. Now, that's basically the whole story of the gospel. But to realise that it all hinges on the second step. You know, all of us are aware that something's messed up with our world. Like, everyone agrees with this. Atheists believe it. Every religion believes it. Everyone knows that there is something screwed up about our history. But no one agrees on what the actual problem is. Everyone blames something else. Some will say it's politics. Some will say it's class inequality. Some will say it's this group of people. We just get rid of them and we live happily ever after. Christianity says it's us. We're the problem. You know, you've probably heard the story, but there's that famous story where G.K. Chesterton, famous Catholic author, someone wrote to him saying, look, we're, we're doing a series in the newspaper about what's wrong with the world. We'd like you to contribute. Can you send us an essay answering the question, what is wrong with the world? And he wrote back saying, dear sir, I am. Yours sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. <laughs> but in a sense, we've got to get to that place. We need to get to that point where we realise... I'm out of control. There is something deep inside of me which I'm not in control of. You know, and that's what we call sin. You know, and I can blame it on everything else I want. I can blame it on my parents, blame it on psychology, blame it on society, the taxation system. But at the end of the day, there is something in me where I need help. And it's only when I realise my need for that help and I actually say, Lord, I need you to come into my life. Only then do we discover the new life. And I want you to realize that this is the secret. You might have been living as a Christian all your life and yet still not actually experience the new life that comes with Christ. Because it's not this, it's not the external structures. It's that point when I realize I need mercy. I am not in control, I need a saviour. Only then do you actually discover the joy of redemption. Now, the reason why that's important is because we say that there's a first coming of Christ at the Incarnation. This is what we're preparing for here at the whole time of Christmas. We know that there's a second coming of Christ. At the end of time... And really, the way that you engage with that reality depends on how much you want him. As it says here, some of you are going to stand boldly with your arms held high and you're going to be able to say, Lord, I need you. 
But there are other people who are going to be cowering in fear. As it says, there are people, men will be dying of fear as they, await what, as they await what menaces the world. Your response there will be determined to your response today, which is what we would call the third coming of Christ. Have you ever heard of the third coming of Christ? The third coming of Christ is right now, today, when Christ comes into your heart, when you welcome Christ and you say, Lord, I need you today. Yes, you have come as a child born in Bethlehem. Yes, you will come again as a victorious king reigning over the whole world. But today I need you as a saviour. I need you as one who's actually going to come and reveal mercy to me. Because I acknowledge that I'm that teenager who's racked up a huge debt and done a whole pile of damage and I'm not in control. And Lord, I need you to help me get my life back in control. That's basically what we call the journey of discipleship. You know, it's every day saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you to train me. Because I'm just doing this so much damage to people because of my selfishness. My greed is leaving a trail of destruction. I'm making things into gods while using people. Lord, I need help. I cannot stay in this position any longer. And that's the place we need to get to where every day we realise I'm not in control. And Lord, I need you to help me to change. I need your grace, your power of your spirit to transform this wounded heart. Turn me inside out because everything currently is focused in on me. I need your spirit to turn me inside out so I'm actually now focused on you. I can truly become a loving person. But it begins by saying, God, I can't do this. And that takes an enormous amount of trust in God. You know, if, if, if you're still thinking like a teenager that God's going to come and take away the credit card and take away your fun, you will never call for help. But if you can engage with this time of Advent, really with this expectant hope, realise that this is a God who wants you to have true life, life greater than anything on this planet can deliver you. Real joy, that joy of knowing that you are just loved, that you belong, that you have a future full of hope. If you can stand on that promise, then you can cry out to the Lord and discover what life truly is.